Well, good morning, church. Man, I am so excited to be here today. It's my first Sunday preaching. That's so exciting. So if you haven't noticed, we got these cool little shirts. We just got back from camp. Um, I kind of lost my voice throughout the week, but I had my tea to take care of me. So my voice is all good today. I was informed this morning that I was getting some hate for drinking tea all week. So I thought I had to say that. Um, but I'm super excited to share with what God has put on my heart today. Uh, last week, Trevor introduced us to our uh, new series called Predecide, and he talked about the decisions you have to make, and sometimes in the heart of it, it's easier to make a decision, a good decision, when you have predecided what you will choose. So today, I'm going to be continuing that. Before I do that, so I can calm my nerves and we can get in the spirit of the Lord, I'm going to pray So you'll join me. Dear Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this wonderful moment that we get to worship you as a body, free of judgment, free of condemnation. I thank you, God, that we're able to come to you and worship you in your presence. Lord, allow me to speak your word this morning, and I pray that I won't be gratified, but you will be gratified. I say this in your name. Amen. Cool. So this morning, we're going to be talking about a cool little topic, and it is joy. And so we're going to be talking about pre-deciding joy. And for that, I want to look at a verse, James 1, 2. It should be on the screen. Sweet. I always, I was always nervous, like maybe what if the slides don't work, but oh well. God is good today. James 1, 2 reads, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. See, through this verse, we can see that joy is a decision that you have to make. Joy is a decision that has to be made regardless of our circumstances. So you might be asking, how is joy different from happiness? Joy is different in the way that happiness has conditions to be present in our lives that are based on our circumstances. The only condition for joy to be present once it's chosen is that your life is built on a foundation of God. So me being, of course, a little seminary student, I want to do a word study and think about what this, this word joy means. So this Greek word joy in this verse is kara. And kara is weaved into the gospel message throughout the New Testament. We see it in all of the uh, gospels except for Mark. We see it in Romans and Philippians. We see it all throughout that. But the beautiful thing about this joy that we get to choose, that you have the opportunity today to choose, is that it's the same joy in Matthew 28, 8, when the women went to the tomb and saw that Jesus was resurrected. Matthew 28, 8 reads, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. This joy is not a joy that is flimsy or weak or silent when it is hard. This joy is a joy that is present in our lives and can persist through the ages. This joy is a joy that is built on the foundation of what we believe today. So maybe you're not really sure what this whole thing is, and maybe you're not sure what this whole Jesus movement is, but I'm convinced, and I'm sure a couple of you are too, that this joy is a life-changing joy that can change us for the better. So the interesting thing about joy, um, obviously with this pre-decision, joy is best in our lives when it is hard. It is best to choose joy when it is hard, and that's not an easy thing to be done. Um, and I know throughout my life I've struggled with anxiety and I've gone through t- t- times in my family. But one thing that I can say that is consistent is God. God has been consistent through my life. Whether I was knowing that or not, 
Because he is faithful. We just sing that song. Faithful you are. Even when you're moving, even when I don't feel it, you're moving. God is consistent. And this joy is built on the foundation of that. So I don't know. I'm just kind of grateful this morning that I have a God who loves me so much, who's consistent regardless of my decisions. So here's a little quick little jab. Uh, Joy is an attitude that people adopt not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope and God's love and promise. So it's not based on your circumstances. Just because it's a hard time or even it's just a good time, joy still needs you present in your life. And I believe that the whole purpose of this, this series, this pre-decision, so when stuff gets hard, it might just be a little bit easier to lean into God. So I know myself and I know I'm not perfect and I mess up all the time. And if I can choose beforehand to choose a joy and choose a God that loves me, I know that when I need it most, I will lean into him. So I, I kind of want to tell you a story of um, a time where I wish I had chosen joy. Um, and I think a lot of times um, when we need to predecide, when we need these moments with our God the most, is when change comes. Um, and so last year I started my first year of college. And I'm not like, I don't love change. Uh, it's I kind of like to sit in the same spot every week. I like to drive the same way. I like to order my same, same stuff. I like to do the same things over and over. So college was new and exciting, but it came with its own struggles. Um, and so I had all these expectations for myself, you know, what my friends were going to look like, what my routine was going to be, how easy the classes were. Cause, I, mean, I went to Temple Christian. I should have this perfect foundation of my Bible and know everything, right? I should be able to ace every test, do whatever I want. I thought, you know, I can just fit in right away. People will love me, right? I'm so great. Thank you. You agree. That's so nice. I'm so glad. Aw. I was expecting my mom to only laugh at that, but okay. Um, but all right, I had all these expectations, and I had this whole thing built up of, man, like, college is going to be so great. And, I mean, it was, but it wasn't what I expected. Um, when I first started college, I had a roommate. I wasn't sure if him and I were even going to get along. You know, I, I've shared rooms with my sisters my whole life, um, so I can deal with a messy person. But that wasn't the problem. I just didn't know this guy, and we didn't have a relationship. So it was kind of hard to get over that. And uh, I had to navigate a whole new phase of my life and had all this weight bearing on me. Um, so I was struggling at first, and I isolated myself. Instead of stepping into community, I put myself in a corner. I kind of just said, oh, you know what, I can do this. I can do this myself. I've gotten through my anxiety, my, my fears before. I can do it again. But that's where I was wrong. So I kept on just piling up anxiety on myself over and over and over, and I just kept on pushing myself into a corner. And so as the year went on, I, I pressured myself to get the grades that I wanted, and I pressured myself to fit in and be this super wise person and stand out on campus. But that's not what God's plan was for me, so I was just going against that grain. Um, So as the year went on, my struggles continued, and I was just quiet about it. At the end of the semester, I was finally relieved that maybe the pressure of school was going to lift up and I was going to be okay. So I was in my dorm one day, and I started feeling pretty sick, and 
I just kind of gained this sickness. And I don't know if you've ever been sick for the first time away from home, but it's a different kind of sick. Because I was missing my mama bringing me, like, grilled cheese and chicken noodle soup. Um, and I had lofted my bed at the time, so I was six feet up in the air, sick. And I didn't want to go to, like, a, walk through the dorm and have to see someone and talk to them while I was sick. So I, I don't want to talk as it is. Um, so I was really feeling this sickness. And so the week goes on, and I got a call from my mom. I was like, oh. Yes, thank you, God. You're providing for me. This is good news, right? Um, unfortunately, it was not the best news. So I answered the phone. My mom's like, hey, like, how are you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. You know, the typical mom checkup. And so I'm just like, you know, I, I feel good, you know. Or I guess the real way I was saying, I was like, I feel good, you know. And, you know. So I, I was not feeling great. But she was like, you know, I just, I'm just checking up on you, making sure you're doing okay. I was like, yeah, it's all good. Um, She's like, hey, I got to talk to you real quick. Serious, though. I was like, okay. So amidst all this chaos, something new's coming. And I was just already preparing my mind for the worst. I was like, well, this can't be good. Um, she said, hey, do you remember your Uncle Bud? And I said, yes, of course, I remember Uncle Bud. My, and I have the closest relationship, but he's a family member, and I hold him dear to my heart. She was like, well, he committed suicide. So that was... Uh, groundbreaking to me and it was it kind of took all this pressure on me all this stuff that I was trying to bear all this stuff that I was trying to hold on by my own and it just broke me Um, it really especially broke me because my mom began to tell me as I asked about my dad and how he was doing she said well your dad is alone right now he's in Mississippi on a business trip and he's having to deal with this alone so it was hard for me to know that my dad was alone and he didn't have a community around him. He didn't have his family next to him. Yeah, we loved him. In that moment, I had to realize that amidst this chaos, this tragedy, this hardship that my family was enduring, in the end there was a purpose for it. I wasn't sure what that purpose was yet. I didn't even know if I wanted that purpose to be real. But I knew that God has a plan. And I wish I could go back and I could tell you that it was easy from that moment, and I was just able to choose joy right away. And that, because of the moment earlier in my life, I had a predecision to choose joy, but that wasn't the case. So it was hard for me. Um, I eventually got over my sickness, and my dad came home, and I just remember my giving my dad the biggest hug. Just because that's something that I felt like my, my friends and family, I never want them to go through that. I wouldn't wish that on my biggest enemy. Um, so that was hard. And all of that, I was left wondering how God was going to use this struggle. And now that I'm on the other side of the tragedy, I can say my family has grown and is stronger because of it. Um, something I had to learn was pain is necessary for growth. And in the hardships and trial, I'm uh, sorry, I have to choose joy. Um, so let me tell you about a story of a man who I believe did in fact choose joy and had his hopes and his promises in God. So if you would, turn your Bibles with me to Job chapter 1. So maybe you're thinking, Job, joy? That's weird. If you know Job's story, you know he has a great tragedy in his life. And so we're going to look at that. So Job chapter 1, verse 1 reads, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. So this dude's pretty cool. Like, he's literally blameless. Like, I don't know if I can call myself blameless. 
He's upright and feared God. So this guy is clearly has had God's favor in his life. And he loves God, and he's a pretty good guy. So, of course, nothing bad can happen to this guy, right? So let's read about his wealth. There were once born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. So Job has a good life. It's probably really easy for Job in this moment to choose joy. He's probably happy, content with what he has, and is grateful that God has blessed him with this. But like the reality that we live in, his life got hard. He was tested. Um, So verse 14 reads, And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen are plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabines, which is a group of people, fell upon them and took them down and struck them down with the servants with the edge of their sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So Job's probably just like chilling, doing his thing. And someone runs up to him and is like, hey, this happens. So 500 of his oxen and 500 of his donkeys and enough servants to watch him are dead, gone. That's a pretty terrible way to start your day. Um, And then verse 16 reads, while he was yet speaking, there came another one and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I like lamb, and I like it cooked good, but I don't know if I'd be very happy in that moment. Um, right? So he has this tragedy, and he hears about his, his oxen and his servants are dead. And then as soon as that happens, he hears about that. Another dude frantically probably runs up, runs up and says, here's this terrible news. So verse 17, again, while, yet he, while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the Chaldeans formed three groups and made a rain on, raid on the camels and took them down struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. So now he's lost his sheep, his camels, his oxen, his donkeys, and enough people to watch them. So I can imagine, I put myself in that situation, I'd be pretty upset. I'd be frustrated. I'd be just angry in general and just confused on why this is happening. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 18 reads, While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across and the, across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. So Job's day just got kind of hard. In that moment, I can only imagine what my response would be. Anger, frustration, fear. Just everything that my foundation that I've put upon would just probably just crumble. Because I know myself. I can put myself in a situation and say I would probably fail. But I believe that because Job has predecided a joy that is so great, a joy that is so powerful, a joy that is the joy that is set in the resurrection, that his response is one that I wish I could have. Verse 20 reads, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. And fell on the ground and worshipped. In the hardest moment in his life, he began to worship? I don't know, that just seems backwards to me. This good God that has blessed him with all these things, this good God that has given him this opportunity, he's the greatest man in the East. How is a good God doing this to him? 
Verse 22 reads, In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So even in his worship, in that moment of grieving, still, yet he did not trial God with wrongness. Instead, he was compassionate and caring and worshiped God because he knew that God was in control. And because of this joy that he had predecided, the joy that I hope that you today can predecide amidst probably your chaotic life, amidst your struggles, that maybe tomorrow your day might just get a little bit easier. Because I know for myself, in the days that are hard for me, I have to keep pushing. So the main idea that I want to speak to you today is when you predecide to choose joy, you allow yourself to choose joy when you need it most. Because we know life is hard. Because we know there are hardships and struggles. The truth is we have to accept that pain is necessary for growth and that pain one day is coming. And because I love you and I care about you, I want you to know that there is a way that you can grow in a way that that pain can just be a little bit easier. Um, the best thing about this story that I love and something that I have experienced myself is he has, Job has a community around him. In chapter 2, verse 13, it reads, And they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his suffering was very great. So he has this tragedy and this hardship. And he continues to worship. And his friends are just present with him for seven days straight. I can think about the times where I've overcome my anxiety. The times that I have fought through my struggles and my pain and my affliction. And I can tell you confidently that the most times where I was able to be pointed back to Jesus was because I had a firm foundation and my friends that pointed me back towards God. A community that loved me and that cares about me. We say something here at Temple, circles are better than rows, and I believe that with all my heart. I believe that it's not easy to choose joy. So in that, let's prepare ourselves in a way where we pre-decide it, and we pre-decide as well to run to a community that loves us and is going to point us back to the Lord. There's a reason that I love to sit in a small group every single Wednesday with middle school boys and tell them about Jesus. There's a reason that I love to just sit there and worship with them. It's because that's how my faith was firm and built. That's how my faith was grown. And I, I can't imagine going through the hardest times in my life alone. Because like I said, like I said in my story, I tried to do it, and I was just broken. It might take you a while, but you can't do this on your own. Choose joy. And pre-decide to choose that joy when things get rough. Maybe today you're struggling with something. Maybe today you're struggling with a hardship that no one knows about. I would seriously encourage you to talk to someone. And let me say this about uh, joy and all this stuff. If you, if you have this joy and this wonderful God is providing for you, take initiative of your life. Take an initiative to grow. Take an initiative to Grow in your walk with the Lord. Because if we just say, well, I'm giving my struggles to God. Why isn't he providing for me? Why isn't he delivering me from this debt? Why isn't he providing me from this anxiety and this pain? The truth is, after I was broken, I had to run to a community that loved me and take an initiative, take steps day by day to grow my faith so that the next time a tragedy strikes my family, I won't be so broken 
because I know that my God has my back. So now I'm not saying that just because times get hard or maybe it's a little rough in your life, that it's just going to be super easy and everything's going to be sunshine and happiness. And I'm not saying to suppress your feelings and push them away. I'm saying to choose a joy that can be present in the midst of your depression. Choose a joy that is so powerful that it has defeated death and can pursue after your hardest moments in your life. One of my professors, Dr. Michael, uh, Dr. Michael Wilkinson, once said this about joy. He said, happiness is essential, and so is joy. Do not let anyone take away your happiness. Do you have something in your life that you cling to dearly that makes you happy? I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that that might be a feeling that can go wash away. And this joy that I'm telling you about today is a joy that does not wash away. Dr. Allen from my school said, glory is in the stars and the scars. The glory that is in the creation of our world is also in the glory of our hardships and our failures. It is also in our hard times. And I can't imagine trying to do this alone, trying to choose a joy that is so present in my life without a firm foundation of friends around me. So in this free decision, in this hard times in our walks of our life, this joy is so life-changing that it can deliver you from your struggles today. You aren't made to do life alone. We are called as Christians to be vulnerable in community, vulnerable with those around us. And I believe that vulnerability in that is key to grow in your walk with Christ. If you're not letting people in and telling them about what your struggles are, if you're not letting them in and telling them how hurt you are in the days that are hardest and how you really just need to choose joy today, if you don't have someone around you to push you, in the direction of a God that is so loving and so kind that he's willing to rescue you from whatever you do. I encourage you to be vulnerable with those people around you. In choosing joy, I love this quote, sorry. In choosing joy, we are set free from the chains that are worry. And trusting God, we give our struggles to him. This joy is a joy that's so powerful, so beautiful, that it can rescue you from whatever you're struggling with. I've seen it in my life, and I wish I could go back and choose joy in the midst of my chaotic first year of college and tell my family about it. And I wish I could have told my Uncle Bud about that joy, too. I wish I could have told him that there is a, a way to escape that. Sorry, not escape that, but overcome that. There is a way to lean into God, and that is choosing a joy of a God that is so God and so powerful and so merciful that he says, whatever you've done, I don't care. Whatever you have said, whatever you've struggled with, whatever your, your temptation is in your life, whatever it is, this joy knows no boundaries. It knows no ways of being talked down. It doesn't know Weakness. This joy is a joy that is present in our lives and is essential. I say this to you because I want you to have this pre-decision made because I love you and I care about you so that you may grow in your walk with Christ.
And here's the the coolest thing about this joy. We saw the picture of baptism going from death to life. Sing that song. This is our testimony. And the beautiful thing about our testimony, y'all, is after we have chosen this joy and God is moving in our lives, we are called to worship like it. We are called to spread this joy. This joy isn't something that's so life-changing and so transforming that becomes exclusive and say, hey, no, no, you can't have it. It's only mine. This joy is something that overflows from the mouth, a joy that it's to be proclaimed from the mountaintops to every tribe, tongue, and nation. This joy is a joy that goes into every area of our life. So maybe you don't need to talk to someone about something today. Maybe your life is good and dandy and you're getting things going. I would ask you to be there for somebody today. Be open. Be available for them. Because this joy is so powerful. This joy that has set us free from our sins and our iniquities. This joy can change lives. Maybe you're in this room struggling today. Or maybe you're online. We would love for you to text PrayFW to 94000. We would love to get in contact with you. We would love to pray for you. Maybe you just need to be prayed. I would encourage you when worship starts to go to someone and ask for prayer. There will be men and women in the prayer room in the back. And if I, I say to you, if you have not chosen this joy today, you feel something in your heart, just talk to somebody. We would love to get to know you here. The beautiful thing about this joy that it doesn't stop, y'all. There's not a virus in this world. There's not a law in this world that can stop this joy from being proclaimed from the mountaintops. In the midst of our chaos, regardless of what happens in our world, we are called to be servants and to proclaim this joy. This joy knows no boundaries. It knows our hardships well, and it rescues us from them. Regardless of what you're struggling with today, I encourage you to choose this joy. I've seen it change my life. Rescue me from the depths of my anxiety. I believe I can do that to you too. We are not worthy of this joy. That's the amazing thing. We are only made worthy because we are united in the blood of Christ. That's what brings us together. That's what the glue that sticks this church thing together. That's what... That's why we raise our hands in worship, because we understand that we are not worthy enough. And thank God I can't earn this, because I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to get my struggles done. I'm not good enough to earn my way into heaven, because I know that a God has humbled himself, was born of a virgin, put himself on the cross, and died for sinners that were cursing him. Died for the same people who nailed him to that cross. And then, because joy knows no boundaries, he was raised from the dead. And that's the joy that I want you to choose today.